Good afternoon. It's good to see everybody. Welcome to Zoe Community Church. Uh, my name is Jesse. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, normally, we spend quite a bit of time every Sunday, and I do mean that literally quite a bit of time on the Word of God, as we should. Right? That's what makes the gathering of the church, at least partially, so important is that we gather around the Word of God. Uh, but today, we're going to focus a little bit less on a sermon, or uh, we're not going to get into Ecclesiastes today. But we're going to focus, uh, focus our attention more on the work of God. Okay, we're going to look at how Jesus Christ has transformed the lives of six individuals, uh, people who are part of our church. Um, and what we're going to do is we are going to, as James was talking about, we're going to have communion. We're going to um, celebrate the, the death and resurrection of Christ. Um, but also, not just with communion, but we're actually going to have six baptisms uh, right at the end of our service. So we're not going to enter service and, th- and then go to the baptisms. We're actually going to transition from out of this room into the courtyard, and we're going to see uh, some of our brothers and sisters get baptized. Uh, and uh, in, in lieu of a, a sermon or kind of a longer teaching, we're going to have uh, those six individuals share their testimony of how God has worked in their lives. So I think it's going to be very encouraging, very powerful. They're just regular people like everyone else who have been saved by Christ. Uh, but before we get into it, uh, I just have uh, something I want to share for an hour. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Before we get into the testimonies, though, and the baptisms, we should talk a little bit about what baptism is. So I just want to briefly share what that is. Um, but let me pray real quick, and then we'll get into it, and then uh, we'll get into the baptisms or the testimonies. Let me pray. Father, I pray, God, that you would be glorified during this time. I pray, God, that you would help us to understand what baptism is. God, it's an amazing thing uh, that we get to partake and, and celebrate uh, people's um, new birth and new life in Christ. And, and I pray, Father, that as we as we witness um, these brothers and sisters going down into the water and, and coming back up, God, I pray that we would really take in what it all means, what it symbolizes, God, that you are, are the one who could take us from death to life. God, that you can take us out of our old lives and walking away from you, and you can bring us toward yourself by grace. That you could give us new life, new hope, new meaning, uh, real meaning and purpose in everything that we do. God, I pray that as we spend a little time in your word and as we reflect upon the gospel, God, that you would do something in our hearts, God, that you would remind us of our salvation, or if we're not Christians and we're just checking it out or, or, or just visiting uh, to see a friend get baptized or something like that, God, I, I just pray that you would do a work in every heart here. Praise in Christ's name. Amen. Have you ever seen a baptism before? You probably have, right? Uh, maybe it was here, um, but if it wasn't here, maybe you saw baptism at like a friend's church, or maybe uh, you went to Roman Catholic baptism where they baptized like a little kid. I remember during COVID, uh, they had like a priest shoot a super soaker at this baby as, as a baptism. That was I, maybe it was Anglican, I don't know, but it was it was interesting. Every denomination, every kind of sect of Christianity, every church even practices baptism a little differently. Uh, so I think it, it's important for us to not assume anything and to actually get to kind of what baptism at, at its root, at its heart, what it is. Um, I remember, uh, so I grew up Baptist, and there's a certain way that Baptists Baptist practice baptism. It's in the name, right? So, you know, you, you kind of put on like a robe or something, and you get into what they call a baptismal. Like a lot of times they have it like built into the front of the sanctuary, and then the pastor like gets in there with you, and he dunks you in, right? And then 
pulls you out of the water. Um, but I remember when I was younger, I got invited to my friend's church. It wasn't a Baptist church. And this person was getting baptized, said, please come on out. So I thought I knew what to expect. And I showed up, and there's no tub of water or anything. Uh, and then my friend kind of shares a little bit. And then something happens where, like, uh, the, the pastor was, like, waving his, his hand over my friend. And then that was it. That was the end of the service. And I asked, when is the baptism going to happen? Uh, but what I missed was they had just sprinkled some water on my friend's head. Um, and, you know, there's some right ways and some wrong ways to go about baptism. I'm not saying that's necessarily the wrong way. But all in all, it's less about the mode of baptism, right, how deep the water is or what kind of clothes you're wearing or whatever that might be. You could be wearing American flag shorts. That's okay. It's less about the mode of uh, how you practice this ordinance and more about what it actually signifies. Okay, why is baptism so important? Why do Christians venerate it so much? So let's start with the Bible, Matthew chapter 3. This is the first time in the New Testament that we see um, what, we, what we call baptism in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 3. Starting in verse 1, so Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. You just go to the New Testament, go to chapter 3, verse 1. And this is where John the Baptist, okay, the baptizer, this is where we are introduced to him. Matthew 3, verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now, John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locust and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were, and you can see it right here, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. So John had a preaching ministry. He was telling people to repent of their sins, to change their life, to turn away from who they used to be, and to turn to God. Um, but a big part of his ministry wasn't just teaching or preaching. It was actually baptizing. He called people to come out to the river, to, to hike out, out of the city, to go to the River Jordan, and to be baptized by him in the water. And the word here in Greek for what John was doing is baptizo. That's where we get the word baptized from. It's, it, it's a Greek word. And what it means or what it meant then was to wash, okay, or, or to, to plunge or, or to dip or to purify. It's this idea of cleansing who you are completely. And what John was doing here is he was actually taking these people who wanted to get baptized and putting them in the water, and they went fully submerged into the water, and then they came back out. Okay, now again... You know, it's not necessarily illegitimate to sprinkle someone with water, uh, but that is not originally what baptism was, okay? John didn't have a super soaker or anything like that. He, he sent them in the river and then pulled them back up. That's what John was originally doing, full submersion. It's what the word baptizo implies. So that's what he was doing. The question is why, and I have two short points for you. Why do Christians do this today? What's the point of, of doing this, this water cleansing kind of thing? Two points. One, baptism is a picture. And then second, baptism is a proclamation. So first, baptism is a picture. And this is important. Okay, baptism is something you're supposed to see. You're supposed to witness. Now, as James read in the scripture reading, uh, people were commanded to be baptized. 
Okay, baptism is a precept. The Bible does talk about this. Jesus sent his disciples into the world to baptize and make disciples. Baptism is, is part of the ministry of Christianity. At the same time, baptism is also a pattern that we see in the book of Acts. So in Acts, the history of the early church, we see people, you know, they, they don't know who Jesus is, but they hear about Jesus. They, they believe in him. They want to turn away from their sins and, and place their faith in Christ. And everyone who evangelizes to them, the apostles, they say, okay, repent, believe, and be baptized. And people get baptized right away. Oftentimes they would just see, you know, a little pond by the side of the road and they would get baptized because baptism was just part and parcel of becoming a Christian. So it's a precept. It's a pattern. But it's also a picture. It's a picture. That's the reason why baptism is so important. You know, we've been going through Ecclesiastes as a church. It's a, it's a book in the Old Testament. Um, and the message of Ecclesiastes is that life under the sun is vanity. Okay, it's kind of a, a little bit of a downer book. I would say it's a realistic book. But what the preacher of Ecclesiastes, the guy who wrote it, what he's saying is, I, I found everything. Right? I've gotten everything that I've wanted. I pursued all the things that my heart desired. He was a king. He had the resources and the means to buy whatever he wanted, uh, to build whatever he wanted. Uh, he was successful in life. All the things that we kill ourselves for, right? Trying to be a success, trying to get ahead and work, trying to have people remember our names. He got it all, and he realized that none of it really mattered in the end. It was all vanity. If you get everything that you want, you'll still feel empty at the end of the day. And the conclusion of Ecclesiastes is the problem is, is really us. The problem is us. We're temporary creatures. We're here today. We're gone tomorrow. And if we're just going to die very soon, if our lives are so fleeting, then what's the purpose of doing all these things? Death is the elephant in literally every room. And it's not a comfortable thing to talk about, but it does make you think. Life is short. What happens after? What happens after you die? Is there a solution to the problem of death? And the Bible says very explicitly that there is. Christians call the solution the gospel. That is a word that means good news. It's an announcement of what Jesus has done. If you are afraid of death, if you are a sinner who knows that they're not right with God, if you're someone who doesn't know what life means, the Bible says that there is good news for you, that Jesus Christ has died on a cross for the, forgive, for the forgiveness of your sins so that you might have eternal life with God forever. The gospel is an announcement of reconciliation. It's a message of hope, and it's a promise of newness. And this is what baptism pictures, okay? Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. This is really the only other place we're going to go, Ephesians 2. But I think it's important that you see this. This is also in the New Testament. Ephesians is right after Galatians. Ephesians 2. Ephesians agrees that death is a problem. But what Paul says, the Apostle Paul who wrote Ephesians, what it says is that it's actually, death is actually something that begins before your body physically wears out. Okay, death is not just physical, death is also spiritual. Okay, look at verse 1, Ephesians 2 verse 1. Paul writes, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. The Apostle Paul is laying out the problem here. He's speaking to the Ephesian church, Christians, but he's talking about who they were before they became Christians. 
just who human beings naturally are. He says we're dead. We're alive, but we're dead. We're alive physically, but we're spiritually dead. He says you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Spiritually, our sin murders us. Sins are the sins we commit. They kill our relationship with God. They damn us to hell. And the problem is even worse than the bad things that we do. Paul is talking about who we are by nature. Okay, something about us is broken. No one is perfect. We're spiritually DOA. Okay, we're dead on arrival. We just carry on the desires of our bodies and our minds. And he's really saying this is just how naturally human beings are. We just do what we want to do. But is there more to it than that? Is there more than just living for whatever feelings that I have, whatever desires that I have, living just for me? And even when we try to live for something bigger, our pride or our vain ambition or whatever gets in the way, Paul is talking about all of that. Just kind of the brokenness of humanity. Our worst enemy is ourselves. But then he says, this is the change. Okay, this is what Jesus brings. Look at verse 4. He says, but God. Okay, so you are dead, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead by our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast." Christianity, 100%, is not a religion of just become a better person, and that's all there is to it. It's not about just doing religious good deeds. It's not about performing rituals. That might be part of it, but uh, when it comes to becoming a Christian, being a Christian, it's about God's grace changing our lives. By grace, God sent Jesus to take our place, to die for us, to bear the weight of our sin, to bear the wrath that we deserve, the punishment. And by grace, he makes us alive. What Paul is talking about is a new beginning. Just as Jesus died and rose again, so do we put away our old selves, our spiritually dead selves, leaving them in the grave, and we're given new life in Christ. And that's what happens to a Christian. To become a Christian at kind of the simplest level is to die to yourself, to let go of who you used to be, and by grace, through faith, receive the life that can only be found in Jesus. Repent, turn away from your old life, and believe. And this is what baptism is a picture of. This is why you go down into the water and come back out. Going down into the water, it symbolizes death. And then coming back out symbolizes resurrection or or new life. Baptism is a visible picture of an invisible reality. And this is why it's so important. This is why it's so meaningful. It's not about just washing yourself. It's not about taking a bath and you're like, I prefer a shower. This is about the symbolism of becoming a new person in Christ. Now, second, baptism is a proclamation. Okay, why can't you just do this on your own time? Why is it so connected to becoming a Christian? Why is it so important? Why do we celebrate it? Why do we have these brothers and sisters publicly share their testimony I remember when I, I got baptized when I was 18, I was, I was pretty nervous about getting up and sharing in front of people. I didn't really want to talk in front of everybody. I understand that. Um, it's not an easy thing. You know, it's not an easy thing to, to just talk at all in front of people. Um, so why do we do this? 
Well, the reason is because baptism is a proclamation. Okay, it's about declaring your faith in Jesus. Right? Your old self is gone. The new self is here. Baptism is closely connected to the profession of faith that Christians have in Christ. Now, baptism doesn't save us. You don't have to be baptized to be saved. You need Jesus to be saved. However, faith always expresses itself in visible ways. Okay, to give a very practical, simple example, if there's a chair right over here, and I say, I believe, I have faith that this chair will hold my weight, then you'll say, sit in it and prove it, right? And if I say, no, I don't want to sit in it. Like, please don't make me sit in it. And you'll question my faith a little bit, right? There is a demonstration that shows the substance of your faith. And the Bible says that the main way is through good works. Okay, we don't do good works to get right with God. We don't do it because we, we need to earn our way to heaven or anything like that. But when we become new, then our faith expresses itself in a new way of life, okay, with good works. And baptism is kind of the beginning of that. Baptism is how we say that we're not ashamed of who Jesus is, that we have put our allegiance and our trust in him. It's kind of our way of sitting in the chair for everyone to see. This is why in Romans 6, 3 and 4, this is what Paul writes. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so too might we walk in newness of life. Paul actually connects water baptism with spiritual baptism, so to speak, with becoming a Christian. And this is why theologians call baptism a conversion initiation rite. Okay, a conversion initiation rite. Now, you don't need to know that. You don't have to write it down. But what it is, is baptism, baptism is a way for us to initiate, so to speak, as it were, into Christianity. Okay, it's something that's bigger than my own personal beliefs or opinion. It's about me becoming part of the body of Christ and stepping into the confession of the church that Christ is Lord and Savior. Baptism is the way to say that I believe like everyone else here does. And that's why we do it together. That's why we celebrate. That's why we make it such a big deal and dedicate a whole service to it because baptism is really that important. Baptism is a proclamation that it's not just about us and what we do. It's about Christ and what he has done. So if you're here today and uh, you don't know Jesus, right? You're not here by accident. Like, obviously, I believe that God is real. This is my job. But uh, I believe that God is real. I believe that God is sovereign over everything, that he has a plan for you. And if God is not real, then there is no meaning to life at all, right? It just makes sense, right? Everything's an accident, and you're just a combination of chemicals. But no human being lives that way. No human being that I've ever met actually lives that way. They still feel like they want things. They're still striving for different things. So if you're here right now, even if you feel like I don't really care about God, there's a reason why you're here. And you should think about what baptism means. You should think about the shortness of life. You should think about if there's something after death. You should think about what Christians say about the hope that is in Christ. And you should hear what these people are going to share. Uh, I would just encourage you to listen to their testimonies and to hear what Jesus has done for them. So let me pray for us, and then we'll invite the first testimony to begin. Father, thank you for this time. I pray, God, that you would use it, and we praise you for your work in our lives. God, we know it's all by grace. Praise in Christ's name. Amen.